Hello, Adopt Together. This is Hank Fortner, and I'm your host, and we have an awesome episode available to you. A friend of mine and a wonderful voice in the adoption community named Kristen Howerton and I sat down at her home, and we had a chance to go through my favorite game called 20-ish Questions. So I asked her 20-ish questions about her life, about adoption, about the world around her, and about all those good things. And so please enjoy. If you want to follow along with what's going on at Adopt Together, you can go on our website, adopttogether.org, and you can sign up for our email updates. We've got a huge thing happening today as I record this for you. We are launching our very first online store. It is a grand opening. It is a live experience. We are up and online. It's very, very exciting. Tons of cool products, and all the proceeds go to help families in their adoption process. So check that out. AdoptTogether.org slash store is really, really neat. And then also sign up for our email list, and you can find out what's going on. And until then, enjoy Ms. Kristen Howerton. Okay, yeah. so your experience of adoption has kind of spanned all those, both domestic and yeah. foster care. Do you yeah. have feelings about domestic adoption versus international adoption right now? Um, you know, I think what I would say in general about adoption is I think that there, there needs to be ethical consideration on any avenue. I think mm-hmm. there's potential for coercion and corruption any avenue you go. And I think that anyone considering adoption has to do diligence big time to make sure they are not enabling or becoming a part of um, a system where, you know, either mothers are coerced to give up their children or enabled, you know, right. anything like that. Right. That but I sense. think that potential is there anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. Or do you think there's misconceptions of adoption around the world? I do. Yeah. What, what do you think some of those are? Or if you were going to clear one of uh, one of them up, yeah. Well, I mean, it's funny because you've got you've got some people who look at adoption as just rainbows and unicorns, and mm-hmm. this is so amazing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, it it's a redemptive thing, but at the end of the day, adoption is built on loss. Mm-hmm. You know, you a child is in the state of needing to be adopted because they've lost their birth family, and that's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think you have people on the one hand who is just like, this is the most amazing thing ever. Like a kid is so lucky. It's like, no, nobody's lucky to have their birth parents die or not be able to care for them. That is not lucky. Right. And they may, you know, um, and you know, it's, it's great that they find a family, but everyone should have a family. That's like a basic human need. So to find a family is not being lucky. Um, but then you've got people on the other hand who are, you know, like adoption's always bad and it's always corrupt and, you know, Mm -hmm. every birth mother has been coerced. And I think, you know, um, I I probably land somewhere in the middle. Yeah. There's a lot of nuance in adoption. Yeah, totally. It's Um, not a binary thing. I gave a talk in Nashville and the guy at the end raised his hand and says, don't you think adoption is just a thing that's going to go away? And I was like, I don't. I don't know about that. He's like, I just think international adoption is the worst thing, ever. Huh. And, and I'm just, because he was on that that camp of just saying, yeah, you know, this is just trafficking children. And it's just yeah. baby snatchers. But I love that you went straight to Haiti. And when mm-hmm. I travel, when our when our families adopted, we've adopted from six different countries. Four mm-hmm. of them, I've been to the place where they were in foster care. Yeah, I've been there. I've yeah. met birth mothers, and you you don't have. There was no coercion. There was no. No one mm-hmm. was gonna care for my brothers no right. one was going there was not going right. to be a system of care for them so i think you're i think that's 
Yeah. Really good thoughts. But both both things are true. There are places in the world where birth mothers are paid or coerced. Yeah, totally. And there are places in the world where there are children who will languish in an orphanage until they're 18. Yeah, right. And we've got to figure out... And then it's bleak after that. I mean, that's It's the, terrible. Yeah. And there are many countries where there is no international adoption program. And if you've ever visited an orphanage in one of those countries, it's not pretty. Yeah. That's not something you should wish on any human being. Totally. That kind of a life. So, you know, I don't... I, I would like to see... I, I think anyone should want to see adoption reduced. For because sure. For sure. You know, we want to see kids be able to be raised in their birth families. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And any mother who wants to parent her child and the only reason she can't is because she, she doesn't have the means to do so, we should be empowering them Absolutely. to keep their own child. Absolutely. But for those kids who just have no other option, I don't know why someone would say leave them in their country mm-hmm. of birth in an mm-hmm. orphanage versus growing up in a home. Yeah, totally. You know? And I, we've ta- I've talked with multiple people about this as I felt like International adoption is a Band-Aid. Absolutely. Because we can't possibly export all 19 million no. kids globally into the U.S. No. But if we could, if we could model a, an adoption process somewhere in the U.S. and mm-hmm. figure it out better than we are figuring it out right yeah. now, and then go to places like South Africa where there's a fifth of the world's orphans mm-hmm. or a fifth of the world's registered orphans, you go, if there was a domestic adoption process there, yes. if there's a domestic adoption yeah. process in Korea and yes. in Japan and in China, then you have something that's a little bit more yeah. sustainable in terms of managing the kids that are in those Absolutely. processes or in those systems. Well, and one of the reasons I think international adoption is necessary is because there are places where culturally adoption is just not going to happen. Yeah, totally. You know, it's just, it's not a part of that culture. Yep, um, totally. You have a lot of that in Asia, a lot of that yeah, in South Africa. Yep. Absolutely. And I would love to see that change. And, and I would support any efforts on kind of changing that culture. There's, you know, a group called Kidmia who works in Ethiopia mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they really encourage locals to adopt children. And, and I love that. But until that is sort of realized or co- globally, or commonplace, yeah. then we, yeah, exactly. It's the Band-Aid. We've got, a, you know, there are kids waiting in the gap. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. What do you think is the primary difference between being a an, a mom to a bio kid and a mom to a child you adopted? I mean, on the practical level, there's not a big difference. None of them want to take a bath or clean their room when I tell them to. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. it's it's parenting. I mean, right. it's, you know, sure. it, most, you know, 90% of the time it's exactly the same. Okay, right. But with the adopted kids, there's that, you know, there's those extra considerations. There's a racial difference. And mm-hmm. so I'm considering that all the time. You know, um, there there are losses, very real losses that I need to be aware of and empathetic to and connections to culture and um, and things like that. So, you know, it's it's with my adopted kids, I feel like it's the same, but then there's just like those extra steps. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Those extra steps. How do you get people look at you weird or how do you people respond when they see you with two almost teenage yeah. Black kids that yeah. look awesome and they both look like supermodels or young <laughs> target models. They both look cool and they're hip and it's like, do yeah. they look at you like, are you this kid's moms? Or when they first interact with you, what kind of reaction do you get? I think at this age, I, I really don't get much of a reaction. I don't know. I mean, maybe I just think adoption has, you know, people have seen it more. It's permeated enough. that Yeah, just... I don't think anyone's really all that surprised. It's funny because when Jafta, my youngest, was a baby... You know, this was, it's funny because I get accusations online too of like, she just adopted because it's trendy. But like oh, nice. when we adopted Jafta, it's funny because like, 
I didn't I didn't know of a celebrity that had adopted. Yeah, that totally. wasn't a thing yet. Sure. Like, that kind of happened. Like Angelina got all her kids after. Right. Sure. You know, um, and so at that time, I got a lot of questions. Like, is he yours? Like, yeah, you know, right. and I do feel like his adoption has become more visible in the last decade. Like now I just feel like everyone assumes they're my kids. Like oh, nice. That's people awesome. aren't really thinking anything. Now, as my boys get older, I think, you know, when we're standing in line at Target, they might think that the boys are on their own because they don't look like kids anymore. Mm, right. My oldest is like as tall as me. Yeah. He, when I see him on Instagram, I haven't seen him in person. Yeah. When I see him on Instagram. He looks like he's 16 years old. I know. Could dunk over you. And he's 11 and yeah. he's so big and so tall. So I think people now are starting to just assume like he's in line behind me, <laughs> yeah, you right. know? Okay, so we sense. get a lot of that, like, you right. know. He's not on your shoulders or yes, anything. So yes, or me telling the, you know, the, the checkout person, we're together. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. So, um, but I don't, we don't get a lot of, of uh, weird stares or awesome. anything like that. If someone was considering, um, like if they're on board with adoption. Uh-huh. And they're negotiating with their partner, fiance, whatever. Yeah. How would you tell them to communicate to their, hey, I want to do this, or hey, this is a part of my life, or hey, this is what I want to do? I get a lot of people who reach out and go, I can't wait to adopt. Can you talk to my husband? Yeah. Or I can't wait to adopt. <laughs> Can you talk to my wife? Because she's. Not, does that make sense? Yeah. And so since you and Mark kind of had that, I don't know how well Mark progressed onto you or just said, hey, I'm game for that. Yeah. But if in terms of having that conviction yourself, yeah. Can you give us any thoughts for how you would approach that with a partner or with a fiance yeah that's tough my husband was super game I mean there that wasn't even like a there was I didn't have to sell anything on that one okay, he was right. game but I think for people in that situation I think the best bet is to put yourselves around adoptive families mm-hmm. you know and I think um that's a great thought just so they can see yeah, the communal elements absolutely yeah. so they could see it and it's normalized and it's not this like weird kind of thing of like you know who who does this or could I love the kid? I mean I think the barriers for people are a lot of sort of myths. You know like I don't know if I'll love a kid the same or you never know what you're gonna get when you right. adopt, which is true when you get pregnant too. Yep. Unless you think you're coming from a perfect gene pool. Sure. Which none we of us are. We have a game in my family because everybody said oh adopted kids you know they would always go oh because because they were adopted that's why they yeah. had behavioral issues yeah. or they, all these kinds of things so we have a game called hashtag not adopted yeah where anytime <laughs> someone is insane or doing something like that kid's not adopted yeah. and that, he had all the pieces oh, yeah. you know like there yeah. was because people would always tell my family you don't know what you know there's a grab right. bag here and you don't know what's right. going on and we would always just be like yeah you wait till your kid does weird things you exactly. know exactly yeah yeah we've got enough weird stuff in my own family of origin right Totally. There's Gene already pool. that wildness. Yeah. How would you tell a person who's considering adoption or is even or even has adopted to go about finding that adoption community? Are there mm-hmm. how would you advise a person to say is that necessary for my kids to have an adoption community? Is it important for adoptees to know each other? What would be your thoughts on community? I I'll say this. I think it's important for adopted kids to to find each other, but I think a more important consideration is for, um, if it's a transracial adoption, is for kids to be around people of their own race. Mm -hmm. So um, it's great for us that we have friends who've adopted, um, but I don't want my kids to just be around other families where there's white parents with black kids. Totally. I want them to be around families where there's black adults Mm -hmm. with black kids. Yeah, right. So we definitely put more emphasis there. Um, I mean, we certainly have friends who are adopt who who have adopted, um, but my bigger priority is making sure my kids have role models of their own race 
you know, grownups in their lives. Okay. That makes in our sense. homes. You know, yeah, not that's just, great. You know. That's great. But do you think it's important for them to know other adoptees? Is that going to be a focus for you? Do they have questions? Do you see them gravitate towards that? Or do you see them gravitate towards that racial similarity? Um, I mean, I will be totally honest and say that my kids don't care one way or the other. It's awesome. They have their friends mm-hmm. and those friendships are based on Minecraft or football or whatever, <laughs> you know, right. their thing is just like any other Real life. kid. Yeah. Real life. They, they don't have a lot of strong feelings, um, about that. And, you know, to the point where, you know, I'm trying to get them involved in like an all black boy scouts and I'm like, mom, we just want to do the one at school, yeah, you know, right. like totally. lay off, like we don't care. Totally. But I think that could be because that part of their life feels fulfilled and because they have each other. Hmm. You know, they, they bond on that themselves. Um, I think, you know, a family where there was only one adopted child might have to work a little bit more to make sure that that adopted child has someone else that they can relate to. On yeah, that, totally. You that know? makes sense. But I have definitely seen my boys, um, you know, on some of the loss issues inherent in their own stories, um, really lean on each other hmm. for support and really, you know, feeling grateful that they have one another. So I, I mean... If I could plug, I would definitely recommend if, if people are considering adoption, that they consider adopting more than one child. Because mm. I think that's a big gift that we can give. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, to have. And you're the first person that's ever told us that. But I totally see that with my brothers. Yeah. The way they relate to each other is different than the way that they yep. relate. When it comes to those issues and yeah. those things, even knowing that I couldn't be deeper into the adoption conversation mm-hmm. and talk about them all the time and yep. force them to mm-hmm. sit in radio interviews with me and ran- and things that they totally. enjoy doing, but it's different than yeah. talking about it versus talking through it. Yes. In yes. the way they relate to each other. Yeah. And especially, you know, the race thing. It's like, I just, um, I think it's really good for kids to be able to have someone else they can really talk to yeah, about totally. that stuff. And totally. Yeah. It's awesome. What about, um, gay adoptions? Like when the parents, when the parents are gay? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Just, what do you, what do you think about, and we don't have to air this if you don't want me to. I don't care. The, there's groups out there. Yeah. Very conservative groups that resist that. Do you have thoughts or feelings about that? I mean, you're rage against the minivan, so I figured I'm allowed to just ask you to air your thoughts on. Oh, totally. Oh, I, I have, I have very strong thoughts on it. I think any organization that's calling itself pro-family that would rather see a kid in foster care than in an LGBT home is not really pro-family. I mean... Yes. Pro-family means a kid is in a family. Right. And, well, you know. And I think they go to the definition, some of those, some of the resistances is the definition of family, uh, like that redefinition of family in terms yeah. of the LGBT thing. Yeah. Do you feel like that's a hindrance? Where do you, where, if you were to project into the future, where do you see that conversation going or that having an impact on kids? I think that the biggest impact on kids is the individual parents. And I think the sexual orientation of a parent is a blip on the radar of all, you know, when we look at all of the things that a parent can do to either create a bond or, you know, or tear their kid down, like good parenting doesn't have to do with sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's crappy straight parents and amazing straight parents. Yeah, right. And I think that's true of the LGBT community too. I think, um, you know, I, I just don't think sexual orientation really plays a part in that. I think mm-hmm. that kids, we have, I mean, we have, we definitely have um, same sex couple friends with kids and they're amazing parents and mm-hmm. their kids are great. 
What would you say to people who say, well, there needs to be a masculine energy and a feminine energy and you need to have a mom and a dad that would say that you need sort of that yin and yang energy in a home? I don't think that that's a need. I, I, um, I, I see that, you know, that can be ideal for some people, but there are certainly people who've grown up for any number of reasons, um, without, you know, either a male figure or a female figure. And I think you mitigate it. I mean, you know what, it would also be ideal if my son had black parents Mm -hmm. and, you know, people could argue, you know, he needs to be able to see, right you know, right. two black parents. Well, that's not, that's not what his life looks like. So yeah. we, we mitigate. And I, the people that I know, um, you know, that are raising, um, children in a same sex relationship, the same way that I kind of mitigate and look for role models for my sons, um, from the black community, they're doing the same with gender and mm. their kids. Mm. You know, I think, I think parents are savvy and I think the LGBT community has um, a lot of support um, you know, amongst themselves to figure out how they navigate those waters. I don't think that they're just thinking like, eh, you know, whatever. Right. You know, I, I, I trust that they are figuring it out. Yeah, totally. Same way any of us are, fi- I mean, we're all figuring it out yeah, at totally. the end of the day. It's a vortex. Yeah. Uh, if, what's the most important thing that you have learned as a mom? Hmm. <laughs> it's hard to put down into one thing. Um, I think, I think what I have learned as a mom is the most important thing I can give my kids is my presence Hmm. and, and my really clear empathy Hmm. and just being with them and sitting with them in whatever it is Mm -hmm. they're going through. Mm -hmm. And I can sign them up for lessons and I can cook them nice meals and I can make a nice home. But all of that is just kind of like the fluff. And at the end of the day, for me as a mom, the moments that matter is when I, I'm giving them the time and space and freedom and safety to just say whatever they need to say to me mm. and, and be available to talk about whatever. And really just being emotionally available, I guess, would be the, the umbrella that that falls under. But I think that's the most important thing. Awesome. What do you hope your kids say about you? Hmm. I hope they say that I was present. I hope they say that they could talk to me about anything. Um, I hope they say that I was fun. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. What, how do you think they would describe you right now? Um, (laughs) I think they would describe me as silly. I think they would describe me. I'm a cuddler. Oh, nice. They probably describe me that way. We have. Mom makes me cuddle. Well, (laughs) yes. Actually, it's, it's funny because on that note, you know, I think people are always asking questions like, how do they get along? Or like asking like, how are the adopted kids different than the, yeah. you know? And I have in my family, I have two cuddlers and two that are just kind of like over it. Yes. And one of the cuddlers is adopted and one of the cuddlers is bio. You nice. know, it's just definitely yeah, like, totally. it's just personality. It's, That's amazing. Yeah. I have one of each also. Do you? She, one just doesn't, she doesn't want me to have my hand on her knee. Yeah. She doesn't want me to have my hand, hold her hand unless it's a street. The other one will literally just yeah. wrap her body around yeah. my neck yep. and want me to carry funny? her that way all totally. day long. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, what do you think in terms of the future for your kids? What would you pray or hope for your kids in their future? Hmm. I mean, I think, you know, the same thing every parent would want. I hope that they feel fulfilled. I hope that they find love in their relationships. I hope that they feel the freedom that they can do whatever they want, that they can, you know, kind of find something they're passionate about and do that for their life. 
And, you know, then again, there's that added, you know, added component for my adopted kids. I hope that they feel secure in their racial identity. And Mm. I, I hope they feel, um, that they're, you know, that their losses were grieved with my help. And, Mm. um, I hope they feel like they can cross between two cultures and don't feel uncomfortable, um, you know, in either that they feel just confident in who they are. Mm. It's awesome. What, what's the best process or what do you think is the process by which you help your children grieve Mm. when it may be a loss they don't even know yet or be aware of yet? Yeah, I think, um, I think making it a constant conversation Mm. and and just opening the door a little bit, um, you know, and, and you know, it's kind of the stuff you learn as a counselor, asking those open-ended questions. How are you feeling about this? Mm. Do you have any thoughts about this today? you know, watching a movie or, you know, when, when something comes up, just opening the door and, and not forcing them to talk about it, but just opening that door all the time and letting them know it's, it's, it's available. And then I think it's really important for adoptive parents to, you know, sort of wrestle on, on your own with any projection or feelings that you might have of insecurity as they do grieve those losses to make sure that you're not putting that on your kid mm. so that your kid knows that they can talk about how sad they are about some of their losses without hurting your feelings. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And I say that to my kids. You can tell me anything. It will not hurt my feelings. Mm. You can feel however you want to feel. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. So they don't never feel like they're like putting you at risk by being right. honest. Right. Like, well, yeah. I'm really sad about, you know, my birth mom, but I don't want to tell you because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Right. Like, I, I've just let them know all the time, like, you can do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like being a therapist prepared you for being a mom? Yeah. I do. I mean, you have I mean, so much of the toolkit. Yeah. As you as you describe, I can sort of hear that, like, oh yeah, that's amazing, yeah. that's wonderful. If there's a mom listening who didn't have the privilege of being a therapist for 15 years, what would you say if she was looking for like mom resources? Like, how do I figure out how to navigate this kind of crazy uh-huh. or these thoughts or even those thoughts of oh my gosh, am I equipped for this or how yeah. can I, like those kinds of things. How which where would you direct her? Where'd you point people? Well, I just think community is the most important thing. And you know, mom to mom community mm-hmm. is just it's so important. And so if she didn't have that in her life, I would say find it online. I mean that's the beauty mm-hmm. of, you know, this sort of internet world we're living in is, you know, when I first adopted, um, you know, eleven years ago, I I didn't really know anyone else hmm. in, a, in my same situation. I didn't know a lot of people that had bio and adopted kids, hmm. or I didn't know, you know. And now it's like the beauty of the internet is like I just feel like I have this whole community of people hmm. um, in a similar place. So I would, I would say reach out. Reach out and find people that you can talk to. That's awesome. What would be one thing that you would, if a, there was a person listening who was considering adoption, what would you mm-hmm. tell them? Mm-hmm. Um, I would tell them... Don't go to Haiti during an earthquake. I know, right. Don't spend three and a half <laughs> years in foster care. <laughs> right. I would tell them to do their research, mm-hmm. to really do their research, to figure out um, you know, how, how they can make sure they're doing this in a way that is that's ethical mm-hmm. and, um, and to understand you know, the, whole, the whole undertaking. Mm-hmm. You know, um, do a lot, a lot of research. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, awesome. I would never discourage anyone, but I would, I would, I would point everyone, in, you know, to getting informed and educated uh, before they start. Awesome. What about an adoptive parent who's listening? Hmm. Just a casual yeah. fan or subscriber of the <laughs> podcast. 
what would you tell them if they were like, I'm an adopted parent and what can I glean from the mind of Kristen Howerton? Well, I'll say this because you might have, you know, new adopted parents listening and the biggest word I could give them is it gets better. Mm. Um, I, th- I think, you know, especially when you've adopted a child who is not a baby, mm-hmm. um, which I've done, um, that can be really hard at first, mm. you know, that bonding and that like transition, especially when a kid has lived in an orphanage can be really difficult. Um, and I would say this to prospective adoptive parents too, you know, it's really difficult. That mm. transition is really hard on everyone mm. and it gets better. It, it just absolutely gets better. I mean, I can remember in that first year, two years, just thinking like, I don't know if I can do this, you know, right. like this is so hard and I don't know if we'll ever feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, you know, this will ever f- not feel like it's difficult and mm. it absolutely, you know, looking back, it's like hard to imagine I felt that way. Hmm. Yeah. In your very zen, peaceful, clean, beautiful <laughs> well, that's house. I'm like they're not here. <laughs> yeah, right, but it, there's hours a day where it's just yeah. like quiet and they're at school yes. growing and yeah. becoming yeah. wonderful human beings. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing and being open and yeah. telling your story. And I've shared a dozen of your blog posts with my mom <laughs> and moms and people and stuff. So I'm just so grateful for awesome. your voice in the adoption space and really grateful for just how honest you are and how bold you are and so much of the way that you, you, you write like just like a, this warrior <laughs> and you're also really, really kind. Hmm. So I think it's a, you're such a cool total package of really kind and hospitable and wonderful and warm Thank and also you. like going to take down the, <laughs> the, the lies out there or the things that are wrong <laughs> in the world. And so we're so grateful for that. So thanks Thank so much. You. And thanks for being a part of yeah. this podcast. Thanks. Appreciate it.